my backyard is full of wildlife. If you want to know where the big animals are, you have to listen to the little animals. And right now, I actually hear an alarm call. Well, not a lot, though, but I just fall on tracks. All right, here we go. Second episode of Sidetrack. I'm your host, Casey Anderson. And today, we're going to be talking about something that actually, I would say, is one of the biggest things that defined me as a person. And that is getting lost. Now, that sounds weird. How does that define you? Well, just think about it. It's one of the most scary things that can happen to anybody to find yourself in a place where you just don't know where you're at. Um, and it's almost impossible these days to, to even get lost. And we have, you know, GPSs, we have our cell phones that we have maps where you have roads. We just, we're everywhere we're, where we're at, where everywhere we're at is somewhere that we recognize. We purposely don't put ourselves in a place to get lost, but it hasn't always been that way. You know, there was a time where we had to use the moon and the stars and, you know, try to remember our steps. So we didn't get lost. So we could find our way back home. Um, but yeah, again, it's just almost impossible to do that now. I think in the lower 48 states, I heard a stat once that you're always going to be 30 miles from a road. I think the farthest from a road is actually in the middle of Yellowstone National Park. And that's only 30 miles away, which you can walk in a day if you're walking really hard. So you can always just walk to a road. So it's almost impossible to get lost. But I can tell you, it is one of the most terrifying things. And a lot of things happen to you when you're lost that uh, it, it's, it digs into your like inner beast. You know, it's in your midbrain because um, you're just not supposed to. And your body is doing everything it can to make sure that you don't get lost because ultimately if you get lost, you can die. Um, so with me today, I'm going to bring two of my sidekicks in again just to chat about this. Um, Denny Staggs and John Ensodegi, my guys I work with at Vision Hawk filmmaking. You know, you do a little of that filmmaking stuff. I Yeah, a little bit of it. How's it going, man? Yeah. Good. I, I almost got lost getting here today. <laughs> yeah. Really? It's <laughs> that's a jungle they don't, they don't call me. They don't call me wrong way stags for nothing. Maybe that's age. I don't know. Have you guys been lost before? Um. I mean, you can I get lost haven't. in a Walmart. You can get lost in Costco if you're like a little yeah, kid. I got lost at Disneyland when I was a little kid, but that's probably the the worst of it. And that's actually probably more terrifying than getting lost in in the forest. I'd say, you know, Mickey Mouse running around after you—that's freaky when you're a little <laughs> kid and you're lost. Um, I've never—I don't think I've ever been lost. Actually, usually I'm pretty close to a trail, or um, I know the mountain range that I'm in, or I know the drainage that I went up. So no, I've never really put myself in a situation where I'm, where I'm actually lost. Did you really get Danny? lost at Disneyland? No, I didn't really get oh, lost at Disneyland. Oh. I mean, that would be kind of terrifying. <laughs> I may have. I don't know. I, 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 was, I don't remember. I couldn't wait to hear that story. I got. I mean, I've <laughs> really gotten in my situation in a situation where I've I'm I really don't know which direction I'm going. I haven't per se got a, gotten lost. I mean, I I remember g getting out of the subway in New York and and on. Uh, on the wrong side of the uh, the platform and, and realizing I'm in the middle of 14th Avenue, you know, and or 14th Street, and there's nobody on the street at all except for me. And uh, and that's not a good uh, comforting feeling in, in the middle of a city like that. You don't want to be alone. 
Um, but, uh, you know, direction is always my, my thing. You know, I'm just like, I, I'm not really sure which way I'm going. I didn't have a, a dad who taught me north, south, east, west, and even how to figure that out. So I think that's a, what's your go-to. I mean, what do you guys do when you do find yourself turned around or you just don't know where you're at? What do you, what tool do you use to get yourself out of it? Google maps. <laughs> did, you, did you use it that night when you were on the subway? Uh, that was before they had that. That was uh, back in the day. You know, my flip phone didn't have it. <laughs> so what'd you do then? How'd you figure, um, figure out I, you I ran one direction. I committed and went one direction <laughs> um, and just ran to the light, basically. Um, yeah. Uh, but my go-to usually is just kind of looking, trying to look up and, and look for something familiar. You know, do I, do I recognize that that's on the end of my vision point, you know? Look for some sort of landmark. Yeah. I mean, in my backpack right now, I have, you know, a GPS works from a satellite anywhere on the planet. I have something to make sure that that battery's charged, like some sort of external battery charger. I have my cell phone, which has multiple tools and apps on there for navigation with, you know, Onyx maps. I have, you know, Google maps, Google earth. Um, I got the compass on there. I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, reliability on technology, even in my backpack, you know, it is, it is actually something that I'm so worried about that I just make sure I have enough tools. In fact, if I go someplace for the first time, I almost always download a map and put it on my phone and make sure I have some ability to, to refer to it. But funny story is that, you know, when you start to rely on technology and then that goes away for whatever reason, simply it could be batteries running dead then what do you have? Right. And that's when it gets scary. That's when you find out if you, if you have it, if you have the instincts that were instilled in you still within your, you know, in your head and your heart. And sometimes you just don't. Um, I mean, like I tell you yesterday, uh, I was on a top secret mission to the grand Canyon, right? Returning home in a hurry, my little girl's two year old birthday. And I'm like, I can't miss the, this is one airplane I can't miss. Um, I have a rental car. I get on the navigation on in the rental car and I type in, uh, you know, I see like points of interest and it, then it says something on there like return car to the airport. Right. So I'm like, yep. Awesome. It's already in here. Hit it. Just drive falling, you know, turn left up here under I 90 on the right. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm making good time. Pull into the air, pull into the airport. See, there's another car return, pull in there, you know, do the exchange, walk off, start going to the terminal get to the terminal I'm looking around I'm like wait a minute where am I like this is weird this didn't look like the same place I landed and it wasn't that thing took me to Phoenix Harbor Airport and oh, I no. needed to fly out of Phoenix Mesa and now I'm like uh oh and so I like I go back down my car's gone I asked the guy can I get a, you know can I get my car again and go to the airport that happens to be an hour on the other side of Phoenix and he's like, no, it's already been processed. It's already back and clean. So now I have to take a cab from the airport all the way to the, and I, I just literally was relying on this navigational thing and it totally got me messed up. And I, you know, barely make my flight and have a $130 tag, uh, taxi ride added on from my stupid mistake of relying on navigation, not even thinking, just letting, letting the machine take me wherever it was going to take me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that happened to me in Chicago. I went to the wrong airport. Um, yeah. 
that's 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 hard. Yeah, I mean, I I have to rely on it because I really have no sense of direction. So, or I have to be with someone who has a good sense of direction. I hang out a lot with John, so you know he has a good sense of direction. Only once was he lost in Austin because it was cloudy. And he couldn't figure out what was north and south. He kept going the wrong way. And I'm like, seriously, this is the first time I've ever seen you lost, buddy. You know, in Austin. So I guess, so I guess that, yeah. I, when you say, have you ever gotten lost? I assume you're asking in the wilderness. Well, yeah, yeah. I've probably gotten lost plenty of times. And I used to live in LA. I, I've been lost in LA, but I'm stubborn about saying I'm lost because I usually figure it out. Yeah. I've, I've, I'm just like turned a, around. I've never had that old shit panic moment. that happens. Yeah. Yeah, I've never had that oh shit moment. Oh shit. Because I typically know that it's probably not a good idea for me to get myself into that situation because I'll be toast. Um, But uh, yeah. Um, So you relied on this, uh, this, this thing to get you somewhere. Uh, Why? Because of time? Uh, you know, you were just, in yeah, a hurry I, just and- didn't, I didn't give it two thoughts. You know, I didn't, I yeah. didn't think about it at all. You know, as I was driving, I, I usually have pretty good situational awareness. Like as I was leaving Phoenix to go to the Grand Canyon, you know, I, you know, I know where I'm kind of at in the city immediately. And I start to, you know, you just take those bearings. And to be honest, there was some element of, as I was pulling in the airport, I thought, Oh, I got here a little fast. I thought I made more turns. And at that point I should have just second guessed myself. You know, and said, yeah, you, you should follow your instincts. Something seems weird here, but I didn't, I was in a hurry. And I just, you know, continued to let navigation, the, the navigation, of the car lead the way. And were you uh, talking yeah, on the phone? The were, you, of town. were you dual tasking? Nope. You were just driving. No, nope. okay. I was just doing, yeah, I was just giving, giving into technology completely. Mm. And that is, I mean, when I walk around, I, I do have, uh, you know, I think because I do it so much, I have situational awareness. I, kind of remember the turns I'm making, even subconsciously, you know? So as I'm returning, I kind of have an idea of what the moves I've got to make. And, you know, obviously you're always taking note to landmarks and keeping your bearings accordingly, if you can see them. Um, and there's something else, you know, as I was walking around actually in the Grand Canyon in some areas there, it was, you know, it's quite flat. You don't have much landmarks unless you're right at the Canyon itself. And it was interesting. I'd walk for, you know, six miles one direction. And as I was returning, for no apparent reason, I would just look down once in a while and I would just be walking in my own tracks. And I'm not even trying to, but somehow I was just recalibrating and just coming right walking and making the same choices and walk end up walking the same spot I walked hours before. So there's something happening there. I mean, it's, you know, physiologically, it's in your hippocampus, a part of your brain is this, it's this part that does all this navigation for you. Um, we You're have channeling the, your inner caveman. It was my inner caveman. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting when people do get lost, um, you know, that the hippocampus can work for you and against you um, in many ways. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing that does happen and when I have been lost in the wilderness is you do start to panic. Um, There's a there's a panicking thing that happens. You just feel like, oh, I got to get I got to get my bearings together. I got it's just something that just happens to everything when it gets lost. But most animals don't get lost. They. uh they're experts at navigation and they are following this inner brain thing. And constantly they're mental mapping things constantly. I mean, it's, it's incredible. I was just reading an article about a, this bird that we have around here called a Clark's nutcracker that goes and takes pine nuts out of pine cones and takes a couple and stashes them over here and then stashes some over here you know, they can stash them in this area that could be, you know, three square miles. They can put a thousand caches and then they can fly like, you know, 
hundred miles away and come back later and without even thinking twice, know where every one of those points are, thousands of them. They don't smell them. They don't see them. They just know where they are. They remember a, a thousand points in their brain. And so they, I mean, they have a very developed hippocampus. Yeah, that's, that's mind blowing is, so I've heard things like that with carrier pigeons. I mean, is the, is the science still kind of iffy on whether that's some kind of magnetic pole thing or, I mean, what is that all about? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's obviously something, whether that is some magnetic homing device, you know, that's going on in their brain, or if they are seeing points of, you know, landmarks. Um, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. There's probably subtleties that we don't even know. You know, it's like in the Northern hemisphere, I always know the sun is slightly to the South right? We just know that because it's where we're at, you know, and I'm sure there's little things that they're always calibrating. That's whether that's magnetic, whether it's the sun, whether it's the way that things are situated, they're probably taking all these little bits of information in and really honing it into this expert navigation system that they have in their head. We have the capability. We just don't use it or practice using it. So we've lost it. We've done what I've done yesterday. And it's like, we've relied so much on technology that our own personal navigation system is as on exercise and just goes away. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's scary. I mean, I, like I said, at the top of the show, like one of the most defining things in my life was an event that happened to me when I was 14 years old. Um, it's something that I always look back on to the day and I always tap into. And I think actually it did change me. I mean, it really did change me and, and forged who I am today. And, yeah, just, I got to tell the story. It's uh, one of the greatest ones of my life, like I said. Um, 14 years old, out archery hunting with my dad. We're finished hunting, getting the truck. It's late in the evening. Um, sun's going down. Um, we get in the truck. We're driving down this little two-track wine into these trees. Um, and this is the mountain range that outside of Helena that I grew up in. It's like I know this place like the back of my hand. But we're driving through the, there, and it's getting late, getting dim. I'd say it's fully dusk. And this big bull elk runs right across the road in front of us, right? And I'm 14. Um, I just remember, you know, I'm just starting to hunt with my dad. I just remember seeing this big bull and I'm like, oh, there's still like, you know, half hour of daylight. I can, I'm going to get this elk, you know? And I grab my bow and I jump out of the truck and I just start following this elk. I could see him up ahead of me and I just keep following him. And I just never forget, like, there's going to be like a little ridge and I would see him. And that'd give me a little hope. And then he would go over the ridge. So I'd hurry and hustle up and go to the top of the ridge. And I'd look down and I'd just see him and he'd just go around the corner. And I'd just, I was all excited and just so focused on this elk. And I'd sneak down really fast and I'd get there. And then there he'd be again. And I'd sneak up and then he would just walk in the trees and I would, you know, keep going. And this happened over and over. I would just keep getting like, you know, just baited and led blindly. Yeah. So wait, sorry. Me. So dad's just waiting in the truck for you? Yeah. I don't even know. I just ditched. I mean, I literally jumped out of the truck. I left the door open. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I have no idea what would probably in the truck. You're in hot pursuit, man. I'm focused. I'm hunting. I'm going to, I'm going to make my dad proud. Um, and I'll never forget the moment where it's like this going up this ridge and it's getting really dark. I think I'm getting a sense of like, I better do something or it's going to get too late. And I come over the top of this ridge and I look down and there's this like, open area with these willows, um, you know, like kind of red, orange barked willows. And I just, it's, this thing is seared in my brain. It's, and I look at that and I think to myself, I don't know where this is at. I've never seen this in my life. 
and there's no elk. I don't know where the elk is. And I just stop and I just look around and I realize I have no clue where I've come from. I have no clue where I'm standing and it's going to be dark really soon. And I've been in hot pursuit for probably about a half hour, uh, pretty fast in the woods. And so at the point, at that point, I think to myself, well, I'm in pretty good shape. You know, I'm going to run up this hill, get up high where I can get to a place where I can look around and maybe see a landmark and just figure out where I'm at. So I take off running, you know, I'm going up the hill and I get to the top of the hill and I'm just, you know, I'm totally like already starting to panic. So I've pushed it hard. I'm like really trying to catch my breath. They're already starting to sweat. And I look around and I, in the distance, I see nothing that looks like anything I've ever seen in my life. And I, what I see is this big wall of white coming through this big storm blowing in. And it just starts to, you know, the snowflakes start flying and it just starts engulfing me where I can't see anything. So, you know, I do exactly what you should do in the situation. And that is I scream at the top of my lungs, God help me, <laughs> dad, over and over. And I just start running like a maniac. I am not kidding you. Like I, this little bit of light that I have left, I'm going to just run like a maniac in some direction and get closer in my brain. Like I am freaking out. And I... I just remember, I'll never forget. I just take off and help me. And now that's turned into like terror crying and I'm running. And I'm breathing really hard. I'm sweating. And I remember going through these really thick um, lodgepole pine trees with lots of deadfall. And I'm running. And I just remember just tripping and eating it. Bam! In the ground. Just getting up and knocking the wind out of myself. And I can't breathe. And I just take off running. And I just trip and hit the ground again and knock the wind out of myself. And I'm screaming and crying and freaking out and like my bow and my arrows are flying everywhere and i'm just you know i'm i am freaking out now i'm like scratched up so this is before sorry so this is before you were carrying a gopro wherever you went <laughs> yeah i'd love, love yeah. to see that <laughs> totally and i i yeah i, I it would i would oh that'd be so shameful <laughs> to watch that because i humbling, I humbling so freaking out panicking crying i'm i am I mean, I am a nightmare. And I just think to myself, if anything could hear me right now, like, you know, if some massive predator was out there, they'd be like, oh, easy meal. This thing is going to kill itself. How much had you been out? How much had you been out into the the wilderness at at the age of 14? I mean, how? All my life. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that, you know, I was so sure that I would get to the top of that hill that I would immediately recognize something and I'd be okay. And, you know, getting there and realizing that I just had dug myself in the hole of time and having nothing. It was the first time I've ever been there in that position before. You know, usually, I mean, even at 14, I got to walk around quite a bit by myself alone in the woods because I knew where I was. And my dad recognized that and didn't worry about me. Um, yeah, so I think I was overconfident, obviously. And then I was hyper-focused on this elk and not paying attention, not allowing, you know, the collection of those points in the direction that I was moving. Um, as I was going, I was just so focused. I had, all that data went out the door, never even happened, it was never collected. So <laughs> I didn't know anything. And yeah, I mean, again, dude, just so freaking out. And it was getting to the point where I was, I was so fatigued that I could barely run. I had lost my voice because I had screamed and cried so much, but I was still trying so hard 
to go in a direction in the dark. And so now it's dark and it's snowing like crazy. And it's like, uh, you know, it's how it's like that snow storm blows and everything. Like, just like, there's like this glow in the sky. It's like the last light, you know, and it's like, it's like white and it's just these big snowflakes are falling. And there's that, that initial wind. I just can remember it. The initial wind of a storm just kind of going through the trees and it's black and I'm just running and tripping and falling. And, it's now I'm starting to slowly just I'm physically impossible for me to do it to panic anymore. And, uh, I remember like this last burst where I just run and I trip and I fall and I knock someone on me so bad. And I just lay there on the ground and it was just like quiet. I just like, and it wasn't that I gathered myself. It was that I could not do anything anymore. I was done. I was, I could not get up. I could not, I could barely breathe. I was fr- freezing because I was wet and I was just laying there and there's this weird, this is one of the most defining moments. And that moment there, I just surrendered. I just stopped. I wasn't going to, I had no more fight and it just forced me to surrender. And uh, I just remember laying there and not doing anything. Um, and, I don't know what happened, but, you know, as a, t- a little bit of time went on and I just crawled, I remember crawling and I can see against this little open part of the, of the forest, there's a giant ponderosa pine tree, um, big old thing, you know, it had to be like three and a half, four feet in diameter. I don't know if you've ever been underneath one of those, but you know, when they've been there for a long period of time, those needles fall and it makes like this giant needle bed around yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it could be like a, almost a foot deep, and uh, and the, it was pretty sheltered underneath there. The snow was wasn't sticking so much underneath the tree. So I remember crawling up underneath that tree, um, leaning it up against it, and just taking all those needles and just pulling them in and piling them over the top of me. So I was like kind of color covered in this blanket of needles, and and just and it was there's something about it. It's like I couldn't do anything, but I'm also like looking up at this tree, this giant old tree. I just remember having this like deep thought in my head. There's like, how many idiots has this tree watched scream running through the woods over its, you know, however old it is, 300 years, you know? And, but how many things has this tree, how many nights, how many blizzards has this tree lived through? You know? And I just remember sitting there thinking like, there was some comfort in this big old wise tree, like the idea of it. And um, yeah, and I laid there and I fell asleep. Um, yeah. And I just, you know, I just remembered like, it was weird cause I could not cry. I could not do anything, but just give up and under this tree. Um, I don't know how much time passed. Um, I remember waking up and snow, a lot more snow on the ground, a little bit of snow on top of me. Um, the storm looked like it had passed. Uh, there's just, just, you know, there was no wind. It was really, really quiet. And I just was out there and listened for a long time. And the light starts to come up a little bit. Um, and I just think to myself, I'm going to start, I'm going to get up and just start walking some little circles where I can always see this tree. And I just start walking these circles. Um, and it was just about the time I started to get, you know, truly mourning. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I'm just kind of getting out of this. Oh, I'm getting farther enough away from I can barely see this tree anymore. I'm kind of at the edge of this thicker forest and I am walking in slowly and all of a sudden I just hear, what the heck are you doing? Just like that. 
<laughs> what the heck are you doing? And I look over <laughs> and it's my dad. And he just, he goes, let's go. So I, okay. I'm so excited. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yes. <laughs> uh, and he just turns and goes, right. And I just, it's fresh snow. He's walking and I'm just in his tracks and he's just, he's not waiting for me and not doing anything. He's just going and I'm following him. And, uh, we get back to the truck. He is, you know, um, get in the truck. Don't say anything. Drive all the way home. It's probably, you know, an hour drive. I uh, get there. He builds a fire in the fireplace, makes me some food, gives it to me. I sit by the fireplace and I eat it. And we never, ever spoke a word of it ever, ever one time. Ever. <laughs> never to this day. Wow. <laughs> and uh, it, it's interesting because, you know, I, I, and this was a recent uh, epiphany on my end, I guess, was that how wonderful of a thing for my dad for, to, to not say anything. He knew at the time. There was nothing he could say to me that would outdo the lesson I had taught myself. I just realized this, like, as being a, a new father, I was like, you know, I always kind of wondered, I've almost brought it up a few times, like, let's talk about this, right? You know? And, uh, but no, I mean, he never said a thing. I mean, he, he knew why. He knew that there's nothing he could say. If he was said something, it would probably ruin the greatest lesson I've ever learned in my life. And so now, when I'm in the wilderness, I would say, I fast track myself to the tree period that time. You know, if I get lost, I don't go through all that <laughs> miserable panic that I went through. I just go right to surrender and calm down and sit and just remember that there's these old trees out there that have watched a lot of things die and a lot of things live. Which one do you want to be? Um, and you can get yourself out of it, man. If you just use your brain. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it, it's hard for me to panic sometimes um, because I've know what it, I've seen the results I've lived fortunately through um, how terrible it is. And that was a, such a great lesson. Like, so when those things come to me now, it's like the last thing that happens to me is panic because I know what that looks like. And it sucks really bad. And I'm lucky, you know, if I think about it now, you know, if I would have injured myself, I could have easily done that. Um, I'd have, I'd have died out there. But he came looking for you. Eventually. After a nice, yeah. warm he, sleep, bath. He, he came looking yeah, for you, I mean, right? I mean, he... he it, <laughs> yeah, sure. But he found you. And he, he, uh, he didn't say, Casey! And there wasn't the movie moment. We run together. He's just like, <laughs> what the heck are you doing? <laughs> that, that's classic. That's so classic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He's like, what you, that's you a way better movie. Walks away. <laughs> yeah, it's a way better movie yeah. moment, anyway, than what we would get from Hollywood. Did you... Uh, did you, did you ever ask your mom? You're like, mom, what did dad do while I was gone? I mean, did he just come home? Yeah. Casey's lost. It's kind of, oh, they, they were there. divorced um, at the time. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, no, that, uh, you know, my he didn't sleep in the truck that, or just wait for you in the truck. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if my dad was out all night. I don't know if he, I, I, I would imagine just knowing my dad that he probably didn't go home and have a nice meal and watch a football game <laughs> and then get up in the morning. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but I also know he's smart enough that he didn't wasn't going to create another emergency situation. So he probably just sat at the truck as a thinking, oh, he'll be back here, and then I'll and probably waited me out till the sunlight comes up, you know. And that, I mean, that's what I would probably do now, um, you know. And then then be systematic about it and go out and try to figure out where your kid, your idiot kid is. <laughs> <laughs> so how yeah. far how far away were you from the truck when you walked out? It was quite, it was a ways. Um, 
it was uh, it's hard to say i mean it's yeah. a couple miles probably okay that's the thing you know i actually thought about it before this podcast i mean what what defines lost and de- and distance certainly doesn't right okay you could be lost right next to your truck as long as you just don't know where that truck is you're still equally lost right yeah um you know and it's uh i mean i've been lost many times i've found myself where i just don't know where i'm at uh since then and there is still that up there's like an upwelling of panic that happens from inside um and and i've been lost close to home here you know and i'm like wait a minute yeah you just gotta take that deep breath and just like you know take all that data in don't start panicking um I'd heard that, yeah. that I'd heard that. I mean, what's your thought on this? I mean, so you're lost, you know, someone like me, I'm lost out there. It, 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 there's this idea, are, are we the, or should we, should you stay in that spot and wait for somebody to come and get you? Or do you save yourself and go, you know, the classic movie, the, those uh, soccer players that are rugby players that crash plane, you know, alive, alive and uh, you know, they waited and waited and waited and waited. And finally, you know, until people started dying and a lot of people died and then they, they, they walked they out. They started eating each other. They walked out. Well, well yeah. we didn't have to go there. I think that's a more important question is what Sodegi is getting to here. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> there are people that died in that wreck. How long do you wait till you eat somebody? <laughs> well, is there, well I prefer, you're really, really hungry. <laughs> hopefully the, the person you're eating is passed away before you start eating them. But um, Okay, well, let's, I want to offer this up for the, <laughs> oh for the forum here. Okay, this is the truth. This is, you brought it up. All right. Okay, you wreck in the Andes. Half your team dies, let's just say. I don't know how many people died in that, but a fair amount. Now you have dead bodies there of your, of your teammates, and you're waiting you're in the middle of nowhere. And uh, how long do you wait before you go over to your buddy and – slice a chunk off and fry it up <laughs> as long as possible i don't even know how to, exactly as long as yeah. possible but you I know mean, what happens I, with most of these people is they end up getting to themselves they, they they don't have food that's the only option and they're never gonna you know they don't want to do it so but they start to starve and they start making bad choices because they're malnourished and um they, you know they get to the point where they almost can't return to being healthy or, you know, they can't do anything for themselves. You know, if you waited a week and they started eating, you're going to keep your wits about you. You're going to be strong still. You have the ability to maybe get out of there or maybe, you know, maybe in a week you start at least like smoking some dude jerky up or something. And just in case, you know, down the line. So it's like not rotten. And when you do decide to start eating people, what do you think? Well, a week, a week, of- two days, I'd say two days, two yeah, days. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it doesn't Before take you start eating me, I'm never going out in the wilderness. <laughs> yeah, don't go out there. <laughs> I'd be pretty gamey anyway. It's like that cartoon when you look at the person and their head's a steak. You know what I mean? You're like, <laughs> yeah. you start licking your lips. But no, I mean, when do you, I mean, what's the trigger moment? I mean, what's the trigger moment? I'm going to stay here. I'm going to eat my friend or I'm going to get the hell out of here and I'm going to find my way home or, or find my way to a road. Or like you said, what we in the lower 48, you're only... You know, even in the desert, even in the uh, Mojave, you're only 30 miles from a road. Yep. Any, so only 30 miles, any direction in the lower 48. It, it, so here's the thing: I think you got to there's got to be an analysis of if you're going to create more of an emergency. So, like the desert's a great example. Um, you shouldn't go walking off in a direction because you know people do die out in the desert because they get heat exposure and they have no water with them, whatever. So. 
you know, exerting that energy, you're just going to potentially create a bigger problem rather than just sitting down, finding a shady spot to cool off and waiting. You have a much better chance of surviving than trying to navigate yourself out through a hostile environment. And I think that's always the case. Um, you just gotta, you know, if it's beautiful weather, you feel really good and you have a, a solid feeling that you can walk in a direction and not get injured or make it worse. Sure, that could be a choice, but the general rule of thumb is, is to just sit still, particularly if somebody has an idea where you're at, eventually somebody's going to find you. I mean, you can live without water for, you know, over a week. You can live without food for multiple weeks. Um, and if you can just sit there and be hungry and thirsty, and um, someone's likely going to find you, your odds are in your favor. Um, so so that's, that's the general rule of thumb. Yeah. So is, is a mistake commonly made that people don't know that they can go without water for a week? Do they sort of just give up or they overexert themselves? And I think that's, that's right. I mean, people obviously don't come prepared to, for multiple days, don't have the ability to find food and water. Um, and uh, and they end up out there, but I do think that the fact that they start getting thirsty and they start getting hungry they don't know their limitations and that invokes panic. And then they start doing similar things to what I'm doing. They do start looking around and walking farther away and exerting more energy. And then they get more panic because they're getting more hungry and they need more food and water. And um, it, it, it does, it just starts to snowball into this bigger emergency. Yeah. And if you just sat still and just, you, you're going to, you're going to be likely. Okay. You know, there's some, there's some exemptions to the, to the example. Um, what are you talking about here? But yeah, I just read another story about a guy who got lost in a cave in France. Um, he actually went in there, I think, originally to potentially commit suicide. Um, and he got in this cave and then, you know, took these little side routes or whatever, and he was going to go back in there. And then he got lost and then he started panicking. This guy was in there for 34 days. Whoa. And he got to the point where you, it was complete darkness, right? He lost any sense of time and any sense of any kind of space, basically. And he ended up as he lives, you know, I guess, uh, spoiler alert, the guy lives, they find him. Um, he's, you know, pasty white, super skinny. Um, he's basically been slithering around in this cave, licking water off the side, eating this like any like uh, vegetable matter. I mean, kind of like, you know, he he's like finding like a little things on the floor that he would just eat that were soft and crunchy and some, you know, and he was, uh, did he have light? He had to <laughs> like, like feel his way around. Feel, yeah. Cause it was evidently it was like an old mushroom farm in part of this cave. Oh. So there was like a lot of like organic matter around. Oh, okay. So he would just pick up anything that felt mushy and just eat it. Ooh. And, um, there was like some old tarps in there. I remember that was part of him, like would cover himself up with them once in a while, but he just, basically slithered around, crawled around in this cave for 34 days and lived. Is he now certifiably insane? <laughs> he was crazy, but yeah, um, for a while, but after some rehab, he actually, you know, the fact that he went in there to commit suicide, um, was already having some mental health issues. Um, and after his rehab post being lost in the cave, he was a very successful person. Um, yeah, he, again, he had to learn a pretty big lesson about life um what it meant yeah to him and raised uh, raised yeah. by bats raised by how bats. crazy That's is that yeah 
coming yeah. in 2022. Vision Hot yeah. Films. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to dump Casey in a cave. And, uh, or me. You'll dump me in a cave. We'll come back for stags in 30 days. See what's going on. I'm like, I mean, I do think about it from time to time. I was like, I, you know, the fact of what we do for a living, and, and there's a chance that one of us will find ourselves in that situation before it's all said and done. And, uh, and it's important to talk about these things. What are we prepared? What would you do? Um, what is the plan? Right. Yeah. You know, it, it is one of those things like, you know, you're out there by yourself. Is my, is my buddy, is my team going to come look for me? Um, and that's part of it. You know, it's, uh, coming up with a, a team plan, ultimately let people know where you're going. Um, these are the simple things that are going to increase your chance of survival. Uh, you don't need to know how to, you know, start a fire by rubbing sticks together and, you know, all those kinds of things. You just need to know how to react when you are in a bad situation and know that there's a plan in place that's going to save your life. So if you get your arm stuck between two rocks, you know, okay, well, I got this knife. I can just hack it off like the guy yeah, just, in, uh, Utah. in Utah. Yeah. Well, that was, well, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's think about that. What was yeah. the name of that movie? 127 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? He had so many more hours to go to live. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. He wasn't going to die. He wasn't dying, any, wasn't dying anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. Well, Sorry, I mean, guys. Sorry, guys. Wasn't just just yeah. <laughs> that was a bad choice. But <laughs> well, uh, nobody would find him. Or what was his fear? Yeah. He was just, yeah. Well, I mean, your arm's crushed in between two rocks. I mean, I'd, I wouldn't want to sit there for too much longer, probably. You would hack your arm so off. You're, cut, you're, cut, you're cutting your I'd arm. I'd have an immediate. Oh, uh, yeah, that's that's tough. Would I rather eat an old capadre next to me or cut my arm off? Those are two interesting choices, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going with one, number what one. What lost situation do you want to be in where you have to eat your friend <laughs> or cut your arm off? Yeah, I think the moral of the story is just don't get lost if you can help it. <laughs> but you know, following up to that, it's just um, I've had these experiences. In fact, I had one experience with a friend of mine. Um, in Alaska that got lost. Um, and similarly, we had a bit of a plan in place uh, and I had to go find him and uh, it all worked out. In fact, we're going to talk to this guy. It'll be the interview that we'll have on this podcast. Um, yeah. And just break down the other side of that situation when you get lost. So you're Casey Anderson. You, uh, you're well-prepared. You, you know, I've, I've gone out with you. You always, before we go out, you say, okay, first aid kit is right here in this pocket. You told me, you know, the times you've done it, you've told me multiple times. Um, maybe you do that to everybody, or maybe it was just because you were talking to me and I'm not as experienced as you, but you were like, here's where the safety is. We're going to go down this route. We're going to, you know, we're going to go a certain amount, be careful. There's a cliff there, you know, this cliff side and it could be loose there. So just stay behind me. You know, you gave clear instruction. You have this pack. You're usually prepared. We weren't going that far. This was Yellowstone. Um, so you're usually prepared. You, you go in and, um, and, uh, but things happen and, um, you, sometimes you get turned around and, uh, you know, I've heard several stories, um, that you've told and, uh, you know, the one that's interesting is the, the one with our crew in, in the grand, one of our crew guys, you were doing a scout in the grand Canyon and, uh, he's pretty, he was pretty experienced. Right. And, uh, yet you still, somehow you still got lost you know yeah so let me tell you the details of that this is a great one again relying on technology too much right 
So we are in the Grand Canyon, again, away from the rim. So there's really no, it's pretty flat. It's just flat, thick, pinion juniper forest. Um, really hard to see any landmarks, but this was also pretty much night. So we were getting into the dark. So we were completely relying on our GPS units, our maps to get back to the truck. And we knew we had a couple hours, if not three hours to the truck from where the location we were in the complete dark with our headlamps. So as we're going, following the technology, I just posed a, a, a challenge. And so Dom, Dom, the guy I'm with, um, the young guy in his early 20s, mid-20s, um, but well, you know, well-versed in the woods, pretty confident guy. I say, hey, got a plan. You know, it's nice weather. We got clear skies. We really don't have anywhere to be. Uh, we both feel good. Do you think you could walk back to the truck from where we're at now without using any of the technology? And he just looks at me very confidently and says, oh, yeah, of course I can. I said, okay. I said, okay, this is a good, this is a good situation. I actually pulled my phone out to video it because I wanted to get this on camera just in case something happened. Um, I said, okay, here's the, here's the deal. Let's turn off all of our navigation devices. I'm not going to influence which direction you're going at all. I'm just going to follow you no matter what, no matter how long until you find the truck or give up and start to want to use technology again. And he said, fair enough. And he's, I'm like, you, you can do this. He's like, sure, I definitely can do this. And I'm like, okay. And, it, you know, it's a good, and in this moment, I'm thinking to myself, this is a good exercise in our capabilities. You know, I also am only as strong as my team. So when you're out there, you kind of hope that your guys have some good navigational abilities and survival abilities out there. You know, they're the ones that are going to save you if something gets goes wrong. Um, so, yeah, I'm, this is a good exercise. So, we start going and we're walking in the dark and I'm just following him. And I remember picking my phone out and just, you know, documented a little bit on the way, like here, I'm still, we're still following him. But today, guys, in some pretty remote area, two hours beating through the brush and the truck. And then for another couple hours, walking out to the end of this peninsula that jets out in the middle of the Grand Canyon. And around here, it's flat, it's high, it's thick, big old juniper trees. It's not the easiest terrain to get around. And when we're coming out in the dark, and we know that uh, a general direction to go, so what we're trying to do here is it's a rare case of not using technology to navigate in the dark, not know the area really at all, be in the flat ground, and exercise those instinctual navigational tools that we are all born with. And I, you know, I remember asking him, what are you, what are you doing? What's your uh, strategy here? And he's like, well, I could see this big star and I know that's South and I know the truck's South. So if I just keep following that star, that'll get us out of the woods. I'm like, okay. I mean, you know, stars, they use stars for navigation most of the time of humanity before now. Um, so it should work. And, and we just keep going in the forest. And this forest is thick. I mean, obviously, you can never see that star constantly. The star, you know, it'd be a glimpse of the trees, and then uh, there it is again, and a glimpse of the trees, and then they can't see it, and there it is again. So we'll go on a couple more hours of walking. Um, and <laughs> now Dom's like, uh, wait a minute. Uh, this doesn't feel right. You know, I can see he's starting to lose his confidence. And uh, I said, okay, um, are you going to give up? He's like, no, no, we're not going to give up. So you go a little bit longer, and finally he's just like, I can see he just like, I'm lost. 
let's look and see where we're at. So we pull out our navigation devices that we're tracking our movement this entire time. Um, and look, and it was unbelievable. We had walked in these giant circles. Like I didn't, I mean, again, I wasn't really paying attention. I was just blindly following him, but I certainly did not think that we were walking in two complete giant circles. So obviously we've been doing some calibrating, but the tendency is to go the right direction completely. It's just that we're doing it like a firefly. There's a lot of theories of why people do that. Um, I, I don't know what, why we did it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, some people say one of your legs is shorter than the other and you just kind of naturally drift in one direction. Some people say that, you know, one of your ears, it's like comes down to your kind of equilibrium and uh, the way that you triangulate as you walk it without having any spatial recognition will always kind of slightly gradually pick to one direction. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of theories behind it, but yeah, I mean, he walked perfect, two big, perfect circles about equal radius and just went always with always with the star to the south well it, i gotta say yeah and i called it as i we laughed at this and he couldn't believe you know he's heard about people walking in circles he never believed that he would ever be in this situation i didn't either i mean it was hilarious um but he was moving in the right direction um it, look, it looked like a firefly just kind of that's what i called it the firefly effect he's like he was moving in the right direction. Like the circles were looping and going in the right direction. We would eventually got there in like five days <laughs> after, <laughs> after about 10 more circles. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So some, something in his homing device was working, but not, it looked a little haywire, <laughs> yeah. but it was an amazing, amazing experience. Again, it's like, I think, you know, it's, it's just that it's practicing. We practiced it that night. Um, we were in a safe situation where we knew we could get away with it without putting ourselves at risk. And it makes me want to do the same more often. It's like, you know, let me just try to work this out without just relying on technology uh, and exercise that, that quote unquote muscle more so that if it does come down to where I'm in a, a desperate situation, don't have technology, at least I know that I'm strong in that sense. Because yeah. again, humans for thousands, millions of years have been, navigating this planet very efficiently without any technology. So we are capable. That's interesting. Very confident. Both of you very confident and calm, but still somewhat listless. Sounds like, feels like, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't have those landmarks. You don't have those, those bearings. You're, yeah. I mean, your brain starts doing really weird things and you just start getting almost like vertigo. You just don't really know where you're at and it gets worse at some level. And um, yeah, I could, I mean, you can see why people get really lost in situations, particularly in a cave with nothing, no spatial recognition. I mean, you could get lost so fast in some, some place like that. You start to feel weird. I don't know how many times you guys have been in caves, but as soon as you go into a cave, even if you do have a headlamp and you can see around there, you spend a lot of time in there, you start getting the sense of like, which way is up and down. You can't really tell distance very easily. It, it causes your brain to do a bit of go a little haywire. Because we are these open country animals that need to look and constantly calibrate. And we're not these burrowing animals. So getting in a cave messes with our primordial selves. Yeah, there was a, there was a cave in uh, Glacier that it was actually barred off by the Forest Service. But you could you could wiggle your way underneath it that uh, me and a bunch <laughs> of buddies in high school would always go. We would go into. And uh, it was just a tiny, tiny little hole. And um after you'd have to crawl on your belly for about I don't know twenty feet 
20, 30 feet or something like that. And, um, I mean, I would never, I probably wouldn't do it now. It was kind of terrifying, but, um, I remember crawling through that first 20, 30 feet and we would look up on the wall. I mean, it's tiny. It can barely fit us. I would look up on the, on the top of the cave and you would see these little furry, furry little things like dangling from the top. And we didn't know what the hell they were. And so, you know, obviously what, what are you going to do? But poke it. Right. <laughs> so, so we're poking at, I, I poked at it and uh, daddy long legs just, just fell from the top. <laughs> oh they're just crawling all over and you're in this confined space. I mean, that's terrifying. And so they're just crawling all over you. Oh my God. And you're just like, Oh my God, get out. Yeah. Get that out would here, freak some people out. That's like arachnophobia, <laughs> claustrophobia, like all oh, that's, the time. You don't have to one. be scared of spiders to be freaked out by, you know, hundreds of little daddy long legs, <laughs> or daddy long legs crawling all over you in the middle of this tiny little cave. But um, yeah, we would explore that cave and it was just a, a crack just going straight with, um, you know, water flowing. And we would, we would just follow that for, it seemed like a long time and there was no other places to go, but it's really disorienting. And it was just, it was extremely dangerous. I have no doubt, <laughs> but it was, it was fun. I've never had that kind of curiosity. You know, I was like, that, that looks risky. I mean, I don't think I'm going to do that. I was, I was in the Lewis and Clark caverns and uh, back, I don't think they do this anymore, but you would have to go through this really tight area, you know, and kneel down and, uh, and uh, they would turn the lights off and you would see how dark dark is. I mean, they're, it, you know, that's the darkest of a dark where you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's, it's frightening and disorienting for sure. Not even for in a short period of time, it's very disorienting. So um, have you, what's the most, have you been in a situation where Casey, where you were lost or temporarily lost where you were really afraid other than when you were 14, where you were really afraid for your life because of either a predator or something. Have you ever been in that situation or had a situation like that? No, it's a good question. It's happened to me a lot. And I got to tell you about this one time. I was up in Alaska and I'm with one of my camera guys, a guy I've been out in the wilderness several times with a guy named Jason. And what I'm going to do now for this podcast is actually going to bring Jason in on this conversation. New little interview. We're going to talk about this moment. Uh, and I, yeah, I think we're going to get some good insight of what it's like to be lost in the wilderness and what you should do for a buddy. So that's going to come up right after this. You know, these podcasts don't, you know, they just don't happen for free. We don't go out and make films for nothing. You know, it, it takes a team. It takes some resources. And uh, part of the way we make this happen, share the love, share the information about the wild world with the rest of the world is uh, to support. And there's a cool way, this is before the holidays, that you can support Sidetrack. Is that right, Denny? Tell them what you got. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun doing this and uh, it does take work. And uh, But we also uh, want to give you the opportunity to, to support um, more podcasts like this. It's it's a lot of work to get Casey to sit down in one spot for two or three hours and actually hold him captive in a, in front of a microphone, uh, but it's definitely worth it. So um, if you want to support uh, the podcast, uh, we've, we've set up a few w ways that you can do that. Um, uh, we get generous support from uh, Mystery Ranch, but also you can go to CaseyAnderson.tv some of the uh, of the items that you can buy to help support um, uh, the podcast. 
Um, I even have a, a Casey Anderson uh, sidetrack mug right here that you could you yeah, could pick gee, up for a, yourself. That's a nice mug. It's pretty nice. It, it's got it yeah, holds water really well. Um, but we have some <laughs> other uh, we have some other great uh, gift items if you want to buy something for somebody. All of this goes back to supporting the podcast and also our uh, nature filming nature film um, uh, endeavors. Uh, there's great original art photographs taken by Casey of. Uh, uh, predators and uh so you can you can check those things out on caseyanderson.tv in the shop section and uh, uh we really appreciate that of course also uh shameless uh self-promotion but it's really good for you to go and uh, if you want to watch some of the bonus video on this podcast you can go to uh, our youtube channel at vision hawk films just search vision hawk films on youtube and and like and subscribe and that helps us uh support this as well so uh thank you that's that's what i got for shameless promotion that's all good yeah you gotta help us out do what you can it's uh it's all good it's uh we need it it takes a machine it takes a team to make this all happen and we love it so let's keep it going so this next section this interview is sponsored by mystery ranch backpacks and i gotta tell you guys there is no better backpack on the face of the earth there is really not I've used these things for almost two decades. I've been everywhere with these things. They are truly like they're like they say, they're built for the mission, no matter what. You could be anywhere on the planet. You can carry the biggest loads possible, hundred pound backpack loads, man. I've seriously carried them before. If you need a cool day pack, they can get you just to the park with your family. They got it. They got everything. They support the Navy SEALs, they support firefighters. They support everybody because they build the best. It's the Cadillac of the backpacks, Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. Check them out at mysteryranch.com. What's the All most right. interesting a- thing? Wait, what's the most interesting thing you've ha- carried in your in your Mystery Ranch backpack? Really? Uh, yeah. That's it. I mean, I've carried a lot of, not the most interesting, but the, the one I brag about, I've carried a generator, a full-size generator in one of my packs up to a Mount Lion kill that was a couple miles away. I mean, this thing has to weigh, I don't even know, 100, over 100 pounds. And uh, I, it, it rode in there comfortably. I got it up there without complaining too much, and it didn't fall apart. This, I mean, it's, I still have that backpack. I still use it all the time. Um, a generator. Cool. Yeah. That, just, that just shows how tough these things are. I'm going to ask you that every, I'm, I'm going to ask you that every week. Just so we can figure out all this great things this thing does. Wait, what? What, what brand of generator was that, Casey? It was a Honda. Yeah, Honda generators. A Honda, a Honda diesel powered. And- <laughs> Give me a call, Honda. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, seriously, uh, I can't say enough. It's there's two things I don't skimp on, and that's backpacks and boots. And uh, yeah, Mister Ranch, they've been a, a vital part of everything that I've done in, out in the wild world for the last two decades. Um, I wouldn't be able to do it without it. All right, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, my buddy, Jason Mayfield, he's a fellow adventurer. He's been on a few expeditions with me. He's a cameraman part-time. He does a little bit of everything. He's an all-around wild dude. Uh, he's the guy that was lost in Alaska that I told you about before the break. And uh, what I'm gonna do is bring him in we're going to actually do an interview with him, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the story. Welcome, Jason Mayfield, to the show. Hey, Casey. Good to see you, buddy. How's, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, this this whole episode's about 
essentially getting lost uh, and decisions you make in, in nature out in the wilderness that might put you in that, you know, into the situation of being lost. And uh, yeah, I wanted to kind of, you know, it's been a few years since this event that we're going to talk about has happened. Um, let me just kind of paint a picture to the, the audience of where we were and then, you know, chime in, let's talk about it. Sure. Um, so we were in a fog neck, which is a, the biggest Island uh, in the Kodiak, Alaska archipelago. Um, it's, well, let's just give you an example. You've got to fly from Montana to Anchorage, which is like, you know, six hours, half of a day basically to get there. Then you get to Anchorage and it's an hour flight to Kodiak. And then you get on a float plane for about another hour. Um, then you land in a fog neck. And, and then what we did then is we got on a boat for another hour and went to this remote river basin. And then we got off the boat and walked for probably another few hours to this location. So it doesn't get any farther away from uh, civilization than that. And we were in the middle of nowhere, literally. And what we were doing there was uh, filming bears for part of another project. And uh, we had walked up this trail, uh, which was essentially, when I say trail, a bear trail. Um, and when we were walking the trail, we kind of had a uh, an exit strategy because where we parked the boat, the tide was going to be going out. So we had to get back to the boat before the tide went out completely or the boat would have been marooned and stranded. So we knew we had to leave at a certain time. And we were probably three or four miles back up this river drainage, hanging out together in this crew. And uh, then Jason had this idea. What was that idea at that point? Was you're going to go look at some eagles or something, right? Yeah, the the crew that we were hanging with was a uh, kind of a city crew, you know. Uh, a, I'd say that's safe to say, yeah, like, like kind of a city crew, like. Totally I mean, straight off crew. the streets of LA, <laughs> um, in, including the fashion, um, and we spent the whole day with them. Uh, to say I was annoyed at that point is is probably an understatement. I mean, you and I and, and John, I think at that time, we had you know spent pretty isolated with just seeing a couple people over the you know a few weeks, maybe a month at that time. So it was kind of a shock already that, you know, holy cow, this, this group is, uh, you know, you know, jumped into to something and changed the dynamic of what was going on. So, yeah, later that afternoon, I, I was kind of over it already. And, uh, you know, they were like, hey, there's an eagle. Take up, you know, take uh, some video. And I think at that point they were having me shoot just kind of B-roll stuff, landscapes. And they were like, hey, shoot that eagle. Well, if you'd shut up for a minute, you know, and keep, you know, keep it quiet, we could do this thing. So anyway, yeah, I decided that I was going to. Uh, uh, hike back towards the boat on the trail. I, <laughs> you needed some alone time. Yeah, I mean, you I was, some alone time. I, yeah. you know, maybe at that point I was feeling pretty confident. I mean, we've been you know hiking through this forest with bears, you know, like I said for weeks. And uh, yeah, let me just recap that a little bit. You know, so prior to this whole event that I've just kind of described where we were, we had been filming bears for a, probably a month prior to that because we would you know were there specifically because of a whale carcass that had washed up on the island and was getting a mass of bears on it prior to these LA people showing up. And then before that, we were actually filming polar bears and up in a, a fog neck or up in a Kaktovik. Um, yeah. So we had been bear, like very isolated and just in a very small group. Yeah. Not a lot of social interaction. Okay. So yeah, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but so you know, you needed some alone time and you were going to go get some. Yeah. So, so I headed out back down the trail. Uh, I remember uh, the, 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 the uh, boat captain, I guess you'd call him, uh, saying, you know, you got to be back before sunset, man. The tide is going to pull out and, uh, and we got to get out of here. And I said, it's cool. I mean, we got an hour or so. I'll just be, you know, about half a mile in front of you guys. 
uh, and, and felt pretty confident about it. And sure enough, went down and, and, and ran the camera and, and got some cool, you know, waterfall shots and, uh, Decided at some point. No, yeah, don't, 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 don't go to the, the key next point yet. Let me let me describe what's happening on my side. So so yeah, again, so we're in this group. I, I stay with the group. We're four miles back. Uh, the sun's going down. Jason has gone to go film some B-roll, some eagles, whatever down the thing. And there's really one way out of here. It's kind of these bear trails that kind of parallel the river and go down. So point comes, the sun's going down. We don't want to be sitting out in this river that's filled with salmon that's got plenty of bears around eating the salmon uh, in the dark one. And then two, we don't want to be marooned out there all night. So we have to hustle. So Jason's gone away. We expect that we're going to, going to bump into him on the trail or he's going to walk back to the boat. So we're going down the trail and kind of get to the spot where um, we thought Jason would be filming the Eagles and he's not there. So we make this assumption. This is a mistake. Number one, that, uh, Jason had, you know, he's savvy. He knows the, what the rules of the day is. We had to get down to the boat fast. He probably got some great shots and he was headed back to the boat to drink some beer and wait for us. And, uh, so we continue walking with that in mind. And, you know, it's now it's getting very dark and we get down to the boat and there's no Jason at the boat, no Jason. And now it's almost dark and we walked right by where he would have been. There's no other place he could have gone. I mean, literally as you're walking down this river, it's this trail. And then off to the, the, the side of you is this like thick, thick, dark spruce forest that nobody in their right mind would walk into. Cause that's where all the bears are sleeping while, after they eat the salmon. So, so when, <laughs> when, let me ask something. When, when did the, when did the bears usually start to come out of the, the scary woods? Well, right mostly, at, yeah, dawn and dusk. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, we know, yeah, I mean, they, they're out there eating a lot because it's the, during the time of the salmon run, but they love that later time. And, and in fact, at night, um, we found from this, because we had been filming whales, um, this whale carcass um, with the bears coming to it, that the bigger bears, the more bears came out after dark. <laughs> Yeah, like when you so, say more bears, what, what give me some context about more bears? Like how many bears are we talking about here? Well, I mean, I, the one whale carcass that was uh, near where we were staying that we had been filming, we I think we saw at least eleven. Oh. You know, yeah, it was uh, at one time, and then they are going and coming. And we don't; it's hard to say. The, I mean, this this island, this Kodiak Archipelago, altogether has some of the most you know densely populated bears on the planet in this area. Plus they are known for the biggest bears on the planet. And in fact, I believe in a fog neck with this little Island off the North there has the biggest bear on the planet living there. Uh, and that's why we were, we were looking for. Um, I think I've seen this movie. I think I've seen it. It's actually a zombie movie though. And there's zombies coming. This reminds me of like the zombie apocalypse. This to me would feel like the zombie apocalypse. I would be absolutely freaking out. Well, there, you know, there's the thing. It's that I had been hanging out with Jason. I know Jason. He's been a friend for a while, and I've been hanging out with him in wild places, doing wild things up to this point. And I've certainly, you know, I have a lot of confidence in his decision-making and choices, or I would have never even let him walk away from me, you know? It's like 
And Jason understands that. It's like, there's been several times we've been with people and say, Hey, can I, I got to go to the bathroom even. Right. And they say, you just like, yeah, but don't go very far. And then you are keeping an eye on them one way or the other. Cause you worry about them. Well, I didn't have this feeling with Jason. Jason seasoned in the, in the field. We had just spent a good period of time in the, around bears and uh, I had no worries. But when you get to the boat and you have this confidence in somebody that they're going to certainly be there without a doubt, and then you don't see them there, there is this sinking feeling, man. Like I just remember going, oh, this is not good. There's no way this can be good. He knows what he's doing. He knows. And the only way that he is not here is because something terrible has happened. So um, at that point, I remember, you know, we had the guy had to get the boat out of there, put the crew, the LA crew in the boat. He said, I got to get this out of here. I said, okay, there's, I got to go look for him. And I remember grabbing a GoPro the most essential thing, a camera to document. <laughs> I took two cans of bear spray, a radio so I could talk to the boat and a 44 Magnum that the guy had on the boat. So I'm like, you know, triple barrel in it. And there's no, the sun's going away. So I have my headlamp on and that's it. And uh, it's now you almost can't see. And I know that I'm going to start walking back into <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, bear paradise, the gauntlet, right? end of the dark where a, a guy with a ton of experience has gone missing and it's probably not for a good reason. And I, and you have that in the back of your head, like I'm just going to start walking towards an emergency. I don't know what could be wrong. Um, I'm hoping nothing, but there's something about this. that just doesn't, he's, if he's not here, there's something wrong. And, and then I just start walking and you know, and then your mind starts, going through all these things. Like I, first off, you know, I'm leaving everybody that's, you know, there's not another person that I know of uh, probably a hundred miles from where I'm at right now. And they're all in the boat, you know, and they're like watching me walk off into the darkness, um, going, looking for a guy who's lost in a place where there's bears everywhere. And it doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, some of it was like, you know, at that point, um, no wife, no kids. So, you know, I'm going to go find Jason. I, I've got nothing to lose. This is my buddy. He's counting on me. Um, I didn't even think twice about it. And I remember when I left, it's it's like the, the actually the guy from Alaska looks at me and goes, you know, are you sure? And I'm like, yep. My right-hand man, Jason Mayfield, left us uh, a few hours ago. We got a 15-minute head start. Supposed to. Now I'm gonna go look for him. And uh, then I, you know, I start going up the trail, and there's this next thing that happens to me. And it's just like, you know, you start thinking about what could have gone wrong. And I'm thinking, well, did Jason slip and hit his head, and he's you know fell in the river? Um, you know, did he go off to go to the bathroom and had a heart attack? Um, you know, he. He would have been right next to the trail. We would have seen him, you know, it would have been really hard. Or did he fall down in the brush? Is there any way that we could have just walked right by him and he's going to be coming down the trail? Because we always have this hope, but you're just still like anticipating the worst. And, you know, and then of course we're in Kodiak, Alaska. And then did a bear get him? And if a bear got him, what am I walking into? If a bear is in that state of mind, am I just going to be dessert? 
you know? And so then I'm just going up. I'm like, again, this can't be good. So, you know, if I can't hear him, if he's not coming down the trail, he's either really hurt or he's dead. And then and I went far, in this. How far is he from the boat or how far did you guys walk? Well, when he left us, um, we were, I would say three to four miles from where the boat was. Now the boat's going to go out another two miles to get where the, you know, the tide's going to be good enough. And so we're going to, no matter what, I'm going to walk. If I get to that point where we went the furthest, it's going to be a long walk back. Um, so it's deep, you know, it's not like difficult terrain. It's pretty flat, but it's riverside. So it's, you know, brushy and smutty and slippery and it's thick, you know, lots of blind spots. Every corner you come around, there could be a bear right there on that trail. You're walking on the, their highway. They're not walking other places. Yeah. <laughs> and now, is there, is there now like I'm, an established trail or is it more bushwhacking? It's an established bear trail. There's not a human trail at all. It's just all right. like a hammered bear trail. It's like, you know, it's like a, it's a game trail, but just a, where, you know, 2000 pound bears walk on it, Yeah, you know, at least a thousand pound bears walk on it and just make this broad beaten path. You're literally stepping on giant bear track after bi- giant bear track going both directions. The whole Comfy. Time. Yeah, it's that's like a bad a... movie. It really is yeah. like a bad movie. <laughs> so, so you're, you're walking through, you're walking in and you're trying to get your, your head to figure out you're in your head. You're trying to figure out what, what happened and what am I going to walk into? So you're trying to figure yeah. out what your expectations then, are going to be. And then, you know, it, it, the rule of this, you know, it, it, this is the whole, the whole point of the story is that, you know, you make decisions in these situations and they can be, they can start to compound and snowball. And that's what creates emergencies. And, you know, when you have a lost friend, or somebody's injured, or some emergency's happening in an unknown environment. You know, you're pro- the the right choice necessarily isn't to go alone into it and create another emergency for yourself, right? You know, um, but it was the only choice. I mean, if I tried to call nine one one, there's no cell phone phone <laughs> service. If the boat had to go back to the lodge and they had a sat phone out to somebody, then before a coast guard or any search and rescue would get there, it'd have been the morning. Um, probably midday the next day. And I had a buddy out there that highly likely needed immediate help. And I just, again, I trusted myself enough that I'm just going to go out there and it was worth the risk. Um, so were you, again, were just, you in a hurry or were you, what was your pace and what was your, no, no your sense of, yeah, it's yeah. a good question. Um, it's cause it's a unique scenario. I mean, I was walking into a, you know, with my headlamp on so I could only see where the light was shining. I know there's a lot of bears around there. Um, so I'm talking to the camera. Late, it's dark. Jason's uh, a smart dude. So you gotta hope for the best. But last time we saw him, he was headed down a trail made by a lot of bears pretty much nothing but bears here and by doing the talking to the camera and filming myself with a little gopro um that voice i'm hoping is going to kind of scare bears away worried about him not really that worried i think he's gonna be fine but just gotta keep looking for him make sure alaska kodiak Unforgiving, one little mistake, that's all it takes. But at the same time, I wanna listen. 
you know? I want to hear if Jason's calling out to me, uh, you know? Because what if he's hurt and he can barely call out to me? And when I'm next to the river and there's a roar of the rapids and, you know, it's hard to hear. So I'm like doing these two twofold. I'm like talking to the camera loud enough that if any bears around, it might run away. But then I would have these moments of silence in the dark. And I would stop sometimes if I was in an area where the water was flat and I can really listen. And I would listen for a long period of time. I'd call out and listen for a long time. I'd shine my light around in the trees just in case he was somewhere he could see it. Uh, and I'd continue on. Definitely in the first half of that walk was this like, I felt guilty. Because um, like I said off the top, this is my buddy who's up for anything. He's a fellow adventurer. He's the go-to guy. Like I need, I'm going to go do this and you want to come hang out. I need a dude. And he's like a guaranteed yes. Um, and now I've drug him into a scenario. Um, and he's got a wife and kids at home at the time. And I am now feeling guilty that I've talked him into going to the middle of nowhere, Alaska, and he, he might be hurt or dead. And I remember having specifically the thought that I'm going to have to call his family. I'm going to have to be the guy who tells him that he's bear poop or not coming back. Um, and that sucks, you know? Um, but it was also the motivation too. It's like, I'm responsible for some low at some level for him being out there. And now I'm responsible to make sure he's coming home. And, um, yeah, I was determined. I was very determined. And so, I have this runway, you know, radio, two-way radio to the boat. And, you know, as I'm getting to the point, and he ch they'd check in and say, hey, you seen anything yet? And no, you know, and then I would turn the, actually turn the radio off because the battery was going low and stuff, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and I'd go a little farther and I'd check in and listen and do that, you know, just repeat this pattern. Um, I'd kind of moving methodically and trying to pay attention to where I was on the landscape because, you know, this is a place I've only been to that day. And then I don't know it well. Uh, I don't want to go out there and get lost myself. Um, but I do remember getting to a couple landmarks. I remember like just to show the progression and I'm now getting pretty far back in there, nearly to the spot that where we saw the Eagles and stuff where we left him. Um, and I remember checking with the radio and nothing, no, nothing's there and going a little bit farther um, and literally getting to the point where we left him. No, I'm, uh, I'm just about to the spot we last saw him too. And knowing that if I continued on, that I'd be going into uncharted territory, a place where there's no way why Jason would go deeper up the river. Um, so it's, now it was time to turn around and go back and go slow and maybe zigzag and look for a body or a shirt or something that might be laying in the river. Um, and I remember having, picking the radio up and I said something like, you know, not, I'm all the way to this point. I haven't uh, seen anything yet. And then all of a sudden I hear something as I'm having a conversation on the radio. No words on him yet. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm just about to where we uh, were camped out there for a bit. I'll let you know when I get there. And I'm like, hang on one second. I think I hear something and I go, what? And then I hear Jason go, hey, hey, I'm over here. There's a bear. Hey. Roger. 
Hey! Okay, I, I just now heard him screaming. Uh, come, come this way. Okay, okay hang on. Uh, there's a bear. And I just, I remember, I can't remember exactly what I say. I, uh, I stay, stay, uh, stay on board here. Hang on, come out. And I just remember like pulling the 44 out, pulling my bear spray out. And I'm like, stay there. Sometimes like, stay there, keep talking to me. And then you're like telling me like, be careful. There's a bear right here. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, yeah. My heart's racing. I was, uh, it, it, yeah, that, that moment we shared together. Cause, um, yeah. So I guess we'll just kind of start, I guess, you know, heading out on my own, um, and headed down the river. And sh I remember shooting some waterfall. I was trying to find this Eagle that we had seen down there. I thought it'd be cool. Um, but like Casey said, you know, the, it, it was, it was kind of straightforward. You could just follow the river to the boat. I mean, I, I, I really had no inkling that I was going to get lost out here. It, it almost, like I said, maybe because confidence level was, was up just from where we had been for the last few weeks, but yeah, I, come on. It's a straight line almost. Um, but at some point down that trail, it did kind of flatten out and, and break to almost, I don't want to say like a, a clearing, but there was like almost a little meadow that kind of, and it, and it got quiet there too. Um, and as I was hiking down, I remember kind of coming to a, a fork. Um, and, and I, and I, and I remember it, well, stick close to the riverside. And, and so I took this little trail and, and, and like Casey mentioned, um, it was just a beaten down game trail. I mean, it really, you don't see dirt. It's just flattened plants for the most part. Um, and an occasional scats and, 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 and a pretty steady traffic trail of, of, you know, bare feet. Um, but I headed out on the first trail. Um, and somehow when I got to a fork, I took the wrong fork and, and, and fairly quickly, I, I realized that I wasn't on the right trail. Uh, I was probably, you know, a, a few hundred yards in, maybe. Not even, I mean, yeah, a few football fields in. When I realized there's no uh, there's no foot traffic from humans on this trail, and uh, like I said, it was grass, but I would occasionally get to a mud puddle or uh, you know a little clearing where there was a, you know some mud, uh, and I quickly realized, damn, there's no there's no foot, there's no size ten boot anywhere around here. Uh, so I remember turning around, going back, and and I got to the fork, and I was like, well, I should go this way. So I went to the fork and, and you're not walking on the edge of the river. I mean, you could be anywhere from, you know, 10 yards to 50 yards. It kind of, you know, it's just a meandering trail. You know, the bears, you know, bears typically take an easy route. So, you know, they just kind of meander. Um, so I just, well, at that point, I really only remember seeing two, you know, a fork. So two ways to go. Well, it has to go this way. And uh, I took that fork and uh, again, got about 150, 200 yards in and came and I was like, damn, there is no footprint of people here. I, and there's what well, I can't remember, but there had to be five, five or six folks from L.A., me and Casey and the boat captain. That's a lot of people walking on a muddy trail. You, you, you're quickly going to pick up foot traffic. And uh, so, again, I mean, this is all within five or 10 minutes of going down two wrong trails. This ain't right. I got to go back. Um, and I got to say, by the time I got turned around the second time, I was kind of walking back. I was like, there's only two forks. There's only two forks. Um, but again, go back to that fork. You know, um, I think maybe, I don't know if I'm lost was in yet, because again, it seems so simple that all I got to do is follow the river. I can hear the river, just follow the river. Um, 
So again, I don't think I, I thought I was lost at this point. I just thought I was a little bit turned around. Um, so yeah, I go back to the, the fork one more time. And I kind of took my breath and said, all right, well, I know I went right. This time I went left. They're both, you know, going away from the river quite quickly. Um, so then I just said, all right, I got to turn around. I kind of got my bearings again and kind of, you know, I think I did like a panoramic turn. I took a circle and I quickly realized that I was like standing in uh, what I can only describe as like a wagon wheel from the 1800s, a network of little game trails. I'm standing like in the uh, epicenter of the spider web of game trails. And when I say that, I mean, there has to be five or six little offshoots in this one spot I'm standing on. And none of them have feet prints. I mean, there's no, I don't see a footprint anywhere other than mine that I just puddled up there right in front of me. And, uh, and then I kind of, I, th- I kind of remember, oh shit. Well, it's, I remember thinking this is like a trivial pursuit piece. Which place am I going to, you know, what, what's this chapter going to open? <laughs> um, but I, I also remember kind of thinking, damn, it's, it's going to be dark, you know, in under an hour at this point, I got to get moving. I know they're going to pull that boat away, man, whether I'm standing on the beach or not, I got to get down there. Um, so I did. I picked another trail that I thought I uh, must have gone. And you know, in Alaska, you can get turned around really easy. I mean, unless you have a compass in your hand. I mean, you know, it, when it's getting dark and twilight and that sun drops down and the whole sky is almost a 24-hour, I mean, uh, a th- what did I say, 360-degree, you know, uh, horizon in the woods. But I feel like I, you know, I, I should have turned left. You know, the river was on my left. So, I, you know, I don't know where we were on that island directionally at that point. Um, and I don't even know if I had a compass on me again, you know, I had a backpack, but you know, Casey's been my compass for a few weeks, you know, maybe I don't, I don't remember looking at a compass at all because the hell it ain't going to happen. The river's there, follow the river. Uh, but right. so yeah, initially I'm just walking down the trail and being quiet, trying not to step on sticks, trying to not disturb the environment. Um, the second time I, yeah, I, I bet my pace was, you know, now five minutes you know, behind, I better, you know, pick up the pace. The third trail, uh, you know, I, I'm walking at a steady pace. I have, I could give two shits about the camera anymore. You know, I mean, I'm not worried about pictures or anything. I'm just like, you know, maybe I'm getting lost. Um, but I'm not panicking. I'm not a guy that kind of panics easy. I kind of like risky stuff. I like, you know, I like adventure. Uh, I like a little bit of adrenaline. I bet my adrenaline was pumping a little bit. Um, again, 150 yards in. And, and I'm saying I have to go in a couple hundred yards because this is grass. I mean, it's marsh. And whatever footprints may have been there, you know, have made ebb and flow of the water. Maybe it's already made it disappear, but I wasn't seeing mud and soil enough to catch. Is there a footprint? And also the lights going away quickly. Um, but I'm on the third trail and realizing I don't see a footprint again. I got to go back to the wagon wheel. And I keep referring it in my head, like the wagon wheel. I remember these spokes of trails. And of course, in my mind, there's probably a hundred, you know, there's probably four or five, but, and you know, it's a spider web in my mind. And I could not, I remember coming up like the third or fourth, you know, attempt. Uh, how are none of these trails going to the river? I'm turning left. I, you know, I've accessed these. Well, maybe, maybe one arcs away. And again, I remember being at some point, we were, you know, 150 yards off the river, you know, kind of meandering through these trails. So I, I was assuming that I got to leave the river for a minute to come back to the river, maybe. And, uh, and, I don't, and honestly, I don't, I don't really know how long this is going on, but it had to be going on 30, 40 minutes that I was picking a new trail. And, and again, I don't know how many, but I'm, I bet I went five or six trails. You know what? I, I remember uh, often remarking of, uh, you know, how 
coolest place, you know, uh, where we were. Uh, it reminded me of like the Ewok forest off Star Wars. You know, I mean, there's yep. giant, huge, like, you know, uh, fallen trees with like moss that has to be growing for hundreds of years to make these carpeted blankets. And then you come across a scat pile, you know, the size of a, you know, a Thanksgiving serving plate. Uh, yeah, you, you, you really kind of put yourself, uh, uh, or, 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 you know, figure out where you are on that food chain really quick when it starts to get dark in this forest. You do feel like you've gone back in time when you go there. There's something about it that feels like it's, it is like you're in the Pleistocene. I mean, you have these massive bears and these massive trees. It's like you said, the Ewok forest. It's, um, you know, and then the thing you run in these things called devil's club, there's these thorn things that are about crotch height and you just get you know, whacked in the nuts by thorns. If you take the wrong turn, I mean, it's like, it's beautiful, haunting and it's yeah I mean, you don't feel like you're you belong there necessarily i mean there's something peaceful about it but at the same time you do feel like you're like yeah you just walk into jurassic park uh, i will also add you know just to kind of give you a picture of what it looked like that night the clouds were rolling in uh, i mean there was a complete overcast sky uh the humidity level you know you could feel the rain was coming uh and I want to say that maybe it was starting to sprinkle right about 30 minutes before sunset. The, 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 the water droplets are falling off the trees. I mean, you're in, in your raincoat. You know, we've got our outdoor gear on. I've got a, you know, a raincoat. I think at that point I probably had my hoodie off to keep aware of, you know, my head turning you know, left and right and what's going on. Um, so, yeah, back. I'm, I'm now fifth trail. Uh, this ain't it. Sixth trail. This is it. How is this possible? I'm, I'm kind of feeling that I got a minute, maybe a little bit of panic. Um, I'm feeling a little bit of defeat here. How the hell did I get lost on such a simple trail? I, you know, I was like, God, I never should have walked away from the group. I started, you know, I'm thinking now, remember, you know, kind of blaming myself for being stupid. Why did I go away from the group? I mean, it's like number one rule. Don't walk away from the group, you know, especially before dark. What, you know. But I also kind of, uh, I had to realize, you know, all right, maybe this is a serious situation. I got 15, 20 minutes before it's going to get dark, maybe. Um, I remember stopping, taking a deep breath. Um, maybe taking a few deep breaths. Um, I got to stay cool. I got to stay calm. I got to figure out a plan. I said, if I don't find this trail in the next five minutes, I got to come up with something else because it's going to go pitch black again, overcast sky. There's no stars. There's no, there's no moonlight. Um, I had a headlamp. Uh, of course we had a headlamp. We always keep that. I remember I had a cell phone, uh, which was for mainly picture taking purposes. There's no signal. Uh, the GPS, you know, doesn't work. And this is years ago. I don't even know if the GPS would work unless you activated it. Kind of thing. I was lost. I was lost. Um, and I think maybe I took one more trail. Um, I'm kind of excited to hear the audio or see the video again. I guess you don't have that part of it, but I'm hoping that I can hear the retelling of my story that night. Um, but I remember maybe taking one more stab at, God, it's got to be this way. I got to find my way out of here. And uh, again, I was just a few hundred yards down the trail where I'm just not seeing footprints. So I go back to the wagon wheel again, and I'm like, all right, what do I do? This is, I may be here all night long. It's getting dark. I don't know where to go. My group is nowhere near. I, I, maybe, I may have called out a few times on the trail, you know, hey, Casey, um, help, you know, uh, anybody there, I, you know, something. But I also have been living with these bears in the woods for a few months. And I got to be honest, I was a little scared to scream. You know, I mean, that yelling help in the woods can just be, uh, you know, the dinner bell. Um, and, and, and Casey's told me these stories of, you know, 
They want to crush your face. They want to eat your skull. They want to shut you up like a you know a rabbit. They want to shut you up. Here's the thing. Yeah, I mean, basically, bears eat things that have already been killed by something else, but they also steal things from animals that are more proficient predators. You know, for example, say a pack of wolves gets a hold of a a, a an elk and calf and starts eating it. It's going to scream. Rah, rah. And it knows that sound and it knows it's going to go in there and it's going to try to take this elk calf away from this pack of wolves. And so again, these bears are predators. I mean, they eat more than just salmon and berries. They have the opportunity to kill and eat elk calves. And so screaming, um, kind of going back to what Jason was saying is it can be a way, to, particularly how you, you're, you're in distress and these bears make a living on listening to the woods for animals in distress. Um, and they don't hear people screaming ever. And so that scream could be interpreted as something lost or alone or in having a hard, hard time, something easy to take advantage of. And yeah. And I always say, if you know, a bear attacks you, don't scream because every time I've ever witnessed a bear around something screaming, that bear does something immediately. And that is, crushes its head like a grape and tries to make the sound stop. Um, and that's what it does. It, that sound carrying out will attract competition and a bear knows that that is not a good thing. So it just wants to shut it up immediately. And that's what it does. It takes its head into its jaws and it crushes it. And so that it will do the same thing if a bear is attacking you and you start screaming, it is going to make the sound stop. And that's why people, when they get mauled, they're bit in the face and the neck because that bear is trying to shut them up. So yeah, I did tell Jason that not knowing that he was going to be out in the woods, having a, a, a bear encounter in the middle of the night. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure I did at some point, you know, Hey, 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 help. But I remember thinking, keep you cool. Don't start screaming. Yeah. About this time. Um, I figured out that I'm lost. Um, I think uh, in, in my head, I finally I've accepted that I'm lost. Um, what do I do? You know, I mean, Casey and I've been in the woods. We've been talking for weeks, you know, about how people screw up and get lost and get, you know, these, I mean, these things we've talked about because we're out in this environment and, uh, you know, it's just something we've been talking around the campfire, you know? So all these things are coming up. I'm like, all right, you gotta keep it cool. You gotta be, uh, uh, you know, uh, aware of, of everything around us. I mean, it's getting dark quick, try to make a mental map of at least what we're looking like. If I do need to get out of here quickly in the dark, is that a safer way than this way? Um, I remember trying to listen for the river uh, at the wagon wheel and, and it's getting dark quick. And I'm like, all right, the river, you know, facing this way is at my left. Um, but I, I, I'm at this point, I'm feeling pretty defeated. I'm like, damn, I'm lost. I kind of was like the, the, the safety guy on this trip with the crew we brought in. Uh, I, I'm feeling that little bit of humiliation. Um, but I do remember thinking, shit, you got to shelf this. You got to, you know, put the emotions away for a side because you may be in serious trouble here. Um, so I decided at that moment, I was not going to try to continue on a trail. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, Casey and I talked to a few of the camera crews that had, you know, another few camera crews that had come out from LA. These guys had never been in the woods. So I was taking our advice on, you know, what to do if something goes terribly wrong. And one is, you know, you know, remain calm. Um, let's make a plan. Let's get a plan together. Um, get my bearings. You know, all these things are flowing through my head. And uh, and I knew that I needed to be where they had been before. 
And this wagon wheel that I keep describing is the only place that was familiar to me. Because every time I left this wagon wheel, I was lost. All I could see at this point was 50 of Jason's footsteps in this little six-foot circle of, damn, it, it kind of feels like hell thinking about it. I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of feeling some of those emotions again. Um, so I decided that this is where I needed to stay. I somehow was on the right trail up until this point. You know, and this was the last point that I knew. And, and, and again, at this point, I'm kind of thinking also, don't panic too much, man. You're with like the best tracker in the world. I mean, I don't That's who I want to follow. Casey will come find me. I'm starting to think this. Casey will come find me. Uh, he's not going to leave me out here. As long as I can stay safe, he'll find me. I, I just got, I got to let it interrupt because this cracks me up. You're like, so basically the, the hub of the wagon wheel has become home. It's the only place you know, right? But then you just think of how that thing was created. It's essentially like, you know, Times Square for a grizzly bear. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to hang out right here. <laughs> but I get it. I mean, but in that moment, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, you're not thinking it's the Times Square of, of grizzly bears. You're thinking that this is a place I know. And that's, that's right. I mean, and yeah, it's the intersection of all these trails. It's the only place I know. It's the only place that's going to keep me calm. You know what's true? I mean, it may be possible that at that moment, bears kind of may have been like second most important thing, you know, being safe was yeah. number one. I don't even know if I was thinking about the bears when I was trying to figure out this wagon wheel of you know trails. Um, but again, I, I did focus on just you know, breathing, keeping my calm. Uh, and remembering that, you know, I've got the best tracker in the world, maybe right here on my, or at least, uh, you know, the, the best tracker I know, right here. Basically, what he told you anyway. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I knew he liked me and loved me enough that he's going to try to come find me. But I'm also realizing that boats leaving in an hour, they cannot, you know, uh, sit where they're sitting. They have to go back off. I knew that was another couple miles. And I'm quickly realizing I'm out of time. It's getting dark and they have to push away. I may be here for a while. So I said, all right, this is where I'm going to set up camp, so to speak. Um, and again, at this point, we got to be five minutes before it's dark. I mean, it's getting twilight, maybe 10 minutes. It's twilight. Um, I can feel the impending doom is what it feels like a curtain is falling quickly. The rain is picking up. Um, it's not freezing temperatures, but it's got to be in the lower 50s, upper 40s. Uh, it's enough that it's chilling you with uh, with the winds. And this is not just overcast, guys. I mean, a storm is blowing in, and that's going in my mind, too. Damn, that boat's not only got a tidal problem, he's got to go you know, an hour and a half across open water of the ocean uh, with a crew that needs that doesn't need to be out here in, in, in the wilderness. So all these things are popping up quick. Uh, I'm, I'm at least comfortable in the fact that, all right, I'm, I'm on a trail. Casey will hopefully find this trail. But I'm quickly losing, like, you know, the sound of the river is being drowned out by the rain droplets. Uh, I want to say I heard thunder rumbles. Uh, I mean, there was no lightning because there was no light coming in. But maybe thunder rumbles, but lots of just uh, ambient noise coming in from the rain and so forth. Um, and right about the point it started getting the darkest uh right before all light disappeared uh i realized i didn't want to be on the forest floor anymore um and like casey said i realized about that moment shit i'm standing in the the highway of of all this fear that's about to happen and i started quickly lurking around again getting my mental map and uh and there was a tree that was you know 10 yards from me that i don't know maybe 36 inches maybe it wasn't four feet. It was it was big enough that I couldn't put my arms around it. And I looked up, and it had like broken limbs. You know that over time these limbs have broken out, and there's little stubs. 
And it was almost like a, you know, a, a moment where that's your tree, a, you know, a light popped in my head, get up that tree. Um, I remember I had this really expensive camera that belonged to Nat Geo. Um, and I was like, did they say that was a hundred thousand dollar camera? Or, you know, I could, but it went through my head and I went, screw it. You know, I'm sure they got insurance. And, uh, I, I set the camera on the ground. Um, I think it was on a tripod. I remember like putting it on a tripod. I may even put like, uh, maybe my, 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 my backpack rain cover over it to protect it. I remember, I don't want to lose a camera cause I'm an idiot. You know, I remember you know, that humiliation still kind of at the bottom of this whole thing. Um, but I did abandon the camera and, uh, and then I just had, you know, my, uh, my mystery ranch backpack on and, uh, and I, and I started climbing up this tree and, uh, I got, uh, man, probably 20 feet, maybe 25 feet, maybe 30, I don't know, at least 20 feet up in this tree. Before I got to a you know a branch that was substantial, you know a good you know a six to eight inch branch that I thought would hold my weight, and I got up on this branch and I sat there and about right this time, I mean the sun is, I mean it's it's going. I've got minutes before it's dark, and I'm like, all right, this is a good spot. I can see the wagon wheel barely. I can like I'm high enough up in this tree in the dark. I can see the wagon wheel. I feel safe at the moment. You know, I mean my thoughts had not started racing yet. Um, I was still in that calm, just stay here. I'm really hoping that he's going to pop around a tree any minute and go, oh, there you are. Let's go. Get out of here. Where are you at, you, you, know, you fool? And uh, But that didn't happen. Um, I'm sitting in the tree. It's getting dark. And uh, there was kind of a hill that came, I'm just for reference sake, north of me. Um, if the river's east, the, the hill is north. Like, you know, the hill kind of comes down, and I'm at this tree. I see my hands. There's a tree here, and there's a hill kind of here, and then it levels out, and there's the wagon wheel, and all these spirals are going from this direction. And I'm in this tree here. And I got to tell you, man, about 30 seconds before it was pitch black, this bear comes up over the top of this hill. And, 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 you know, thinking back on it, I'm thinking girl bear, you know, I mean, I mean, is this a big sow? Because it, again, it's a shadow, but it doesn't look like the biggest bear I've ever seen. But I know that we've been following the biggest bear. So maybe it was just my calm and trying to keep cool. It's just a, just a sow. It's just a, you know, a bear passing through. But I mean, this is, a, you know, 30 seconds, it seems like a, a, a pause on your DVR. I mean, I remember seeing the bear come over the hill with that last remaining light. And she's coming down the trail towards my tree. And uh, I, I kind of remember holding my breath. I, I'm sure I, you know, a few curse words went through my brain. I'm in deep trouble if I make a peep. And uh, right about the last twinkle of light where I could still see the ground. She comes right up to the tree and she sits down and lays down under this bush that's right next to the tree. <laughs> and then it goes pitch black. I'm, I'm, I'm close enough to her. I can hear her breathing. Um, I remember kind of the and I'm like, holy Shit, does she smell me? I mean, I'm right over the top of her, and I can't see her anymore. All I can hear is or like pushing some sticks, maybe moving some leaves and the breathing. I'm like, oh, she's bedding down underneath me at this point. Um, at this point, the rain picks up. Rain's coming in harder. The wind is whipping through, and then it's clicking. She's totally going to bed down and maybe ride out this storm right underneath my tree. Um 
again, I couldn't see anything really quickly. I mean, I saw her at the bush laid down. It went dark and black. And then it's all your sense changes. I mean, when you go into the dark, then yeah. your hearing starts working a little better. You're focusing on your, you know, maybe I was smelling too, but the wind, but definitely was listening, using these ears, trying to figure out what she's going to do because I know what bears do when they chase stuff up trees. I mean, these big grizzlies, she may not be able to climb it, her, her offspring. I'm saying her again, because I'm just hoping it's not the big dude, you know? Um, you know, I know that younger grizzlies can, you know, scale a tree as easy as a black bear. These big old Kodiaks, I hadn't seen any of them climb a tree. I've seen their claw marks 10, 12 feet up the tree, you know, where they're scratching. But I, I kind of had some confidence up in that tree, and that was kind of the goal. I went off the floor. I, I, if the big bear does come through, at least I'm up in the tree. But what I've also seen with those big bears is they'll stand up and they'll start racking that tree as something of interest is up. I can't climb it, but how about I just knock you out of it? That started going through my head really quickly. Um, I could still hear her down there. I don't know if I could hear the breathing anymore, but I could hear her moving stuff, and I figure she's bedding down. Uh, I figure she lays there long enough. She's going to smell me. She's going to get sent to me. Something's going to, I'm going to sneeze. I'm going to cough. I maybe remember like having a, a you know, a, a, what do you call it? A bump in your throat and like, <clears throat> oh, I gotta, you know, holding your breath, you know, it's kind of, like- I mean, you're living, you're living a nightmare. I mean, it's, it's, you're lost. It's raining. A storm's moving in you're in the middle of nowhere, Alaska. And now I, one of the biggest bears on the planet has decided to come to your tree before it gets completely dark. You know, what's interesting about this is they say when you get lost, um, you know, your bearings, you know, obviously you're, you're trying to take in everything. You know, usually you have this cognitive map of your location. And as those things start going away and you become officially lost, everything is heightened already because you're just trying to take up all, and sponge up all these cues to try to get yourself back in a spot you recognize. And then as, as things like the light goes away, now your sight bearings, now your, you know, your nose and your ears are probably working hyper mode. Even for many reasons, you're in survival mode because you're lost. You're survival mode because it's, you know, you're getting cold and you're in survival mode because there's a giant predator right next to you. You probably have never heard or smelled better than, than you have at that moment. You could probably hear, hear every breath. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, I, I'm fully aware at this point that this is bad. This is, this is like, Everything that, you know, we've talked about with these production crews, these safety meetings, like uh, with production companies, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Ah, here it is. I'm, I'm, I'm literally a popsicle, you know, for this bear to some extent. Um, so, again, it's, it's black. It's I know what she's doing down there at the moment. And this racking the tree thing keeps coming to my head. Damn, if I fall out, even if she just racks me and leaves me alone, I'm falling, you know, two stories you know, out of this tree. <laughs> Um, so as cold and, and as I said, the rain's coming in, I actually took off my, uh, my, my, my sicko rain, my rain gear. And fortunately the sleeves were long enough that I was able to put it around the street. And now I'm doing this like, so see, I'm thinking about that. So secretly quiet. I don't want this bear to hear me, you know, and this sick of rain gear is kind of rustling a little bit. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm like drawing attention with every move. But I'm thinking I want to tie myself to this tree. I know I'm not going anywhere for a while. Um, even if the bear gets up and walks away, I don't want to fall asleep. You know, I know the adrenaline's pumping, but it's going to wear off. I don't want to fall out of this tree. So I decided to tie myself to this tree. And, uh, and I did. Man. I guess it was a, a genius idea. I mean, because the other part of that is, as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's late October in Alaska. It's raining. You had, you had decent clothes on, but you probably were not prepared to stay the night. 
and there's a good chance that you could have got hypothermic up there and you would have just been a, you know, started getting, losing your motor skills and could have just felt fallen. Yeah. I had an, I remember I had a nice, uh, uh, you know, like a down puffy coat underneath the, the, the rain gear. Um, but I mean, it was raining at this point, but I, I made the decision. I'd rather be cold and shivering than to fall out of this tree, whether it's by the bear or just by accident. Um, so I did, I got the coat off very quietly. I slipped it around the tree, pulled it out. And I, I remember thinking, Oh thank God, it ties in a knot. You know, at least I had enough sleeve to make a little knot. Uh, Cause I'm thinking Velcro ain't gonna hold it, you know? Um, and that's where I sat for uh, a number of hours. I don't, I can't tell you how long it was. And then I start trying to think, well, the river, the river's the key, man. And, and that's another kind of survival thing. I've always thought on my own in the wilderness that you get lost. If you can find a river source and if you can just follow the river, a river usually leads to people or leads to another body of water where you can find people or where water is. But I'm also thinking, I can't hear the river no more, man. And if I get out of this tree in the dark, I, am I going to find the river at this point? Um, so I'm, again, I'm using my other senses, trying to focus on, you know, how to get out of this. And at some point, the bear fear kind of went away. I, I didn't hear her anymore, but I needed to stop worrying. And, and there was a point a few hours in where it was black. I had no head, headlight. I had no phone light. Um, I may have, you know, yelled help once or twice. No, I, you know, honestly, I don't think I ever yelled help after the bear was under the tree. Um, and, and, and a lot of those hours, I gotta be honest, I, I think maybe I was, I was thinking about, oh my God, what's, what's going to happen with my family? You know, um, what about, you know, all my, I, I, all, every possible worst scenario was going through my head. You know I mean? Life insurance is my life insurance paid. My kids are not going to have a dad. Why am I so stupid? Why, why did, you know, why did the, everybody was like, you, Casey, you're nuts. I'm going to go walk trails with bears and, you know, try to, you know, catch video of hybrid polar bear. You guys are insane. This is never going to end good for one of you. And God damn, you know, I was going to have to, you know, maybe even dead, but face up that, yeah, they were right. You know, being calm and cool was key. Um, I think I remember focusing on the shiver, like, this is energy. This, you know, this is creating heat in your body. You know, focus on this, you know, make sure you keep, there's a long time. I was in those woods guys. I was, uh, but uh, yeah, I was quickly getting scared. I mean, it was, it was, and you were pretty cold, probably getting pretty cold at that point. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and again, maybe some of my memories, not that great in those hours because I, you know, I, I was probably hungry. I'd been wild for your food. I didn't, I don't know if I had water left anymore. You know, I probably had a little canteen. We were doing a couple hour hike You know, I, I didn't bring a lot of water along. Um, obviously I was in this tree, but yeah, I gotta be honest. There's like, you know, a couple hours there that I don't really remember what I was doing. I remember singing in my head. I remember thinking about my family a lot. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, 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 you know, again, your mind's occupied and I'm thinking about these movies that I've watched where, you know, guys are stuck in deserts or rainforest or, you know, it, I, your mind races. And, and again, you're trying to bring yourself back to center to find this calm and try to keep yourself, you know, uh, relaxed where you're not panic and not panic thinking anyway or or something casey would always say you know you know, you think for you react don't just react react where you're going to get in trouble you know if, if it scares you and you run oh that may have been the wrong idea give it you know, a second to should i flee or should i fight you know those kind of things and uh at one point i saw a light kind of shoot up in the trees and i remember going oh that's a light and then i was like uh don't yell, you know, um, 
maybe you're seeing shit or something. Bear's still down there. Don't scream. I think I remember thinking that. But then I saw the light kind of catch, you know, the canopy of some surrounding trees a few times. And then I think I may have yelled out, help. I think you just yelled at, hey. Hey. Okay, I, I just now heard him screaming. Uh, come come this way. I remember him answering back, and then I I think I yell, "There's a I'm over here. There's a bear here, a bear under me, or something." Um, and he must have been pretty close. I mean, it was probably his headlamp I was seeing, so not a huge light source. Um, but it seems within a few seconds of of us acknowledging each other, I, I, I'll never forget Casey because I could see him coming through the woods. He literally came out. He had this uh, this bear spray can in one hand. He's got this freaking hand cannon pistol in the other. And somehow he's got a third hand with his GoPro camera running at me. Um, and I remembered, like, I think I kind of lost my shit. I think I full went tears. I remember coming out of the tree. Um, yeah, man, it was... It was, pretty, it was a pretty magical moment. It was, I had never felt, it was almost like my mama came to save me. And it was, I, it was, it was, I'm getting all teary. It was, it was a pretty magical moment. I uh, was pretty grateful, but I was exhausted. I was cold. I was uh, overwhelmed. I don't know really what I said after that. Honestly, I remember us. Uh, you know, oh, sorry. I, I just said that, you know, again, so I, you know, I'm coming to you. I'm, you know, expecting could you know there could be a bear right there uh this could be bad obviously he's here because of something's wrong so this bear could be whatever so i'm thinking okay i gotta go in there and deal with a bear um but you know there's a sense of relief too like i don't know what his scenario is like he's talking he's alive so i'm you know i'm going in like let's keep him alive or whatever right and i go in and kind of scan the ground looking for jason right where the sound came from uh, don't see any bears, but I'm still on hyper mode. And I just remember, <laughs> look, he must have rustled or something. And I kind of look up and I, in this tree, <laughs> I mean, the way you described that tree and the way that tree looked was two different things. I and mean, this tree looked like, I'm like, how did anybody monkey up that tree? <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll pick you up uh, right where I drop you off. Sorry, dude. He's about like 25 feet up a tree. This is amazing. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks All right. for coming back. It's okay. That's what I'm here for. Man, I just, I didn't panic. I just did what I knew I needed to do. What happened? I, I just went back to the first place I could find footsteps. And, um, I just stood here for a while. I couldn't find my way out. And, uh, fucking bear started coming down that hill. And I went up a tree. And he's like, you know, way up this tree, tied in there. And it's just a funniest picture in my mind but in that moment i'm so happy and so relieved that my buddy's okay and we, i can see it in his face he's feeling like oh he's so happy and relieved and we yeah we came to each other and gave each other a hug and we both had tears in our eyes you know um we were both grateful for that that moment right there and i just remember you're just like thanking me and then looked at me and goes are you recording this <laughs> Good. This is good stuff. Are you recording? <laughs> you like, hell yeah. I, I don't do anything without recording. <laughs> Thanks for coming back for me. Oh yeah. Hell Where's yeah. I'm never, I'm never going to leave you out here. <laughs> yeah, man. I remember uh, 
That was about that one of the happiest I've ever been to see somebody, man. Uh, yeah, I've got tears. Yeah, like, eyes. likewise, I, dude. I, seriously, I'm totally reliving it as we're sitting here. It's uh, yeah, dude. I, I was just very thankful you were my friend that day, and that you were the one looking for me. I don't know if there was anybody else. There was nobody else in that boat that was going to find me that night. Yeah, it all worked out. I'm really glad, and uh, it's been fun recapping and, and remembering it. So. Right yeah, on. have no, you have, ahead, have either of you been back to that location? Uh, I actually, I actually have been back to the location um, just a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, and it always brings back the the memory, you know. And in the end, the same thing. Jason did everything right, and and I went back with another film crew, and I remember telling the story. And you know, it's the person who is wilderness savvy, who knows bears, who you know is all the, ticks all the boxes things happen and you can get yourself in the situation and then you just got to do the right thing. And um, so, you know, it's good to recap those things to other people because you can learn a lot from that experience um, just saying, Hey, the best of the best got lost. The best of the best did the right thing and survived. So you should follow the the line of the best of the best. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, even I learned a lot, you know, it was, um, it was one of those things that, you know, I probably honestly wouldn't have gone and done that for anybody um you know but it is something you know when you love somebody and you got a buddy that's in need and at that point you're the only person that can do anything about it and you know you're capable of it uh it would be a shame not to try right and um you know and at that point man i was like you know i'm gonna go down with him if it if, if anything and so I, there was never no doubt in my mind about not you know i was gonna go as soon as it was going um and i'm glad i did I mean, again, I, w- I maybe would have been more thoughtful about it if it wasn't you. I mean, if it wasn't Jason, I don't know if I would. You know what I mean? Because it's like you are going into danger. Um, but, yeah, no, I learned a lot from it. And uh, you got anything you want to say, Jason? I can close it out so it, we can button it up nicely. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. It's been fun. Uh, yeah, let's uh, keep making stories, Casey. Yeah, and that's what it's all about, making stories. Let's not have one more of those again. But I do look forward to the next adventure. And one thing for sure, I know I always have your back and you always got mine. So that's what matters, man. Thanks for doing it, man. So sorry about the technical difficulties there. My camera dropped out, but you got to see Jason's amazing face and hear a very cool story. See some cool video. If you go to the YouTube page and check out Sidetracked episode two on our YouTube page. Um, Yeah, you can see a lot of bonus video. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, I think that really puts in perspective how things can go bad quickly. So I hope you guys learned a lot today because you know, when you're out there, it might happen. And one of the biggest things that you can do is just be prepared. Know what you're going to face, figure out where you are, tell people, take some tools. But the, and the bottom line is just don't panic. And hopefully somebody will come pick you up just like I did with Jason. So uh, until next week, don't get lost. You hear that, John? You hear that, Denny? I, I'm, yes, sir. I'm, I'm already yeah. lost. No. I'm still trying to find my way around <laughs> this microphone. Where's my bathroom? I'm really lost right now. I can, start, <laughs> I can do it all over again. <laughs>